0: So do you not know, think it's quite funny that the last episode we've done was alcohol and now I'm recording the intro to this episode, the most hungover mess of a person that you've ever seen?
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised having just been at an amazing festival. <laughs> but the time the timing is good,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got back from Transmit Festival three days down in Glasgow, and it's fair to say that I am a broken human being. <laughs> but I'm feeling a little bit more hopeful about things because we've just recorded the the Clementine episode. Well, we haven't just recorded recorded it, but um, we're we're doing the intros for it because it's it's now time to publish it. It's and Clementine. Um,
1: it's Clementine.
0: <laughs> it is Clementine!
1: So yeah,
0: Clementine forward. And um, yeah, so we're not going to do a lot of talking because we're going to let Clementine do the talking.
1: Yeah, we don't want to cut into her precious time because she gives us so many pearls. Mm-hmm. Uh, this really is such an insightful and yeah, just really special episode. We are so grateful to Clementine. Um, she's just so bloody interesting to listen to. She's so thoughtful. She's so intelligent. She's so funny, and yeah, I'm just going to stop fangirling. But actually, I never will, and I can't believe that happened. <laughs> um, so <laughs> thank you, Clementine. Um, so yeah, enjoy this amazing episode from the incredible feminist icon, Australian author, all round legend, Clementine Ford.
0: Here is. ADHDS females, ADHDAF, ADHDS females, the
1: podcast. Hi, I'm Dawn. Hi, I'm Laura, and, and we, we are, are ADHDAF. ADHD Seriously. We are two neurodivergent neighbours who moved to the same street at the same time. At the same age, with the same undiagnosed disability, what are the chances?
0: Since discovering the enormous impact ADHD has had on our lives and the horrifying numbers of missing undiagnosed females, it has become our mission to make some serious noise.
1: We want to use our voices to raise awareness, break the stigma and share our experiences in the hope that they help others.
0: So join us for a chat, or as it's called up here in Aberdeen, a blether. A <laughs> blether.
1: Trigger warning, we will be covering some really sensitive topics so please do have a read of the description of each episode before listening.
0: It's important to note that we are not medical professionals, we're not therapists or coaches, we're not qualified to offer advice or support. What we will do is share our experiences alongside resources and information from professionals. We will talk over each other (laughs) and we will go off topic and forget the point (laughs) mid-sentence.
1: We are both assigned female at birth, which means that we can only speak from the experience of life as a fab people. However, ADHDAF is an inclusive space. Whatever your gender, you are very welcome here. Yes, you are.
0: ADHDS
1: females, ADHDAF so thank you so so much for joining us oh my god thank you for asking me so nice of you not at all um so we would like to find out all about your journey we saw from your post on on instagram that you very recently posted that you had been diagnosed and we don't know if that's something that you knew about before or not but we'll dive straight in with some questions hey yeah so Would you mind telling us your age, your occupation, obviously a little bit about your work history and anything you'd like to share in that realm?
2: Well, my name's Clementine. I'm 40. I'll be 41 in two weeks. Uh work history is uh makes a lot of sense now that <laughs> now that I know why I have been incapable of uh any kind of regimented work. So I've mostly worked in either the creative or the service industries. So yes. Hospitality, yes. <laughs> uh, hospitality and writing, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> anything else that I've tried to do, I've usually failed at or been fired from. <laughs> yeah, we can
1: relate. Yeah, we can absolutely <laughs> relate to that.
2: And um, so how did you come to suspect you had ADHD? So 10 years ago, a friend of mine was diagnosed and she said to me, I think you've got this. And I was like, I don't think that I have ADHD. And you know what? It wasn't even the stigma around it really, although look maybe some of it was subconscious because there is still there is still obviously a yeah, stigma. Of course. Yeah. But I feel like it was, I very much didn't understand what ADHD was. Yeah. And and I think that's a huge problem. And I also now I'm realizing that one of the reasons I resisted the label was because I wanted to be, and this is in air quotes, I wanted to be quote unquote normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I really did not feel normal and my brain has never been normal. I've got OCD as well. Right. Um, and I've had that since I was, well, that's been apparent since I was 12. Yeah. Um, so I already felt very kind of like a big giant weirdo Yeah. anyway. <laughs> Yeah. And just, I know. Look, I'm, I'm sure that your your listeners will understand all this, but like a just blanket disclaimer that the words that I'm using, like weirdo, normal, and stuff like that, obviously, it's tongue in cheek, and it's and it is that kind of stigma of that we place in ourselves, right? Yeah, we always um, say the
1: word insane by accident, and then have to go. Oh, hopefully, the listeners yeah, understand. it's the language that we use, and it's not, you know, there's no intent yeah. no in there.
2: I quite often call myself crazy in a sort of re- reclaiming way, mm-hmm. even even pre this, obviously, because I have had such like intense mental health issues that and also now I think, well, how much of that is anxiety? You know, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety when I was 21. And then my psych now said, I don't think you have that. That's I think you've got some social anxiety, but I don't think you've got general. This was just another person who doctors met and were like, well, you're anxious, therefore you're mentally unwell as opposed to maybe there's something neurological that's making you feel this way all the time. Um, so anyway, so my friend said that to me about 10 years ago and I was like, no, I don't have that. And we really didn't, like it Was it seemed even unusual to me because even 10 years ago, obviously, there was still way less of an understanding about women. Yeah, it. definitely.
1: Um,
2: and then in the last year or so, so my hairdresser, an amazing woman who I've been seeing for like 10 years
1: Mm, my
2: hairdresser was also diagnosed it's that kind of thing like when you diagnosed you're like you see it in everyone you know you're like oh wow it's like it's like the veil has lifted on and maybe sometimes you misdiagnose people whatever but she said to me I think she sort of very tentatively kind of broached it with me and she was like I think that you have you ever
1: thought about you know (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) yeah and then talking to her more about her experience with it and, you know, she's she's a creative person as well. Everyone I know who has it, which is not to say that people who, who you have to be creative of. wow, such a humble brag. It's just every creative person. She's <laughs> also creative. Um, but she... You know, she is obviously like a, a kind of a lateral thinker in many ways. And she said to me, I think that you you should look into this, which kind of, again, planted the seed or, or watered the seed that had been planted 10 years earlier.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then most recently, the thing that really got me into kind of going, OK, I think I might have this is that one of my best friends uh, was going through the diagnosis process herself because like so many mums of neurodivergent children, she was getting support and help for her neurodivergent child and going, oh, yeah.
1: this is yeah. me. Connecting the dots, yeah. We
2: hear about yeah. that a lot. And so then when she was explaining to me what what was, like, re- resonant for her, I was like, I think that's me
1: too. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. And so that was kind of all probably about, I mean, that's all happened over the last year or so, but the diagnosis process when I was really, like, I think that this is me probably started about six months ago. And that then it was just the confirmation that I received, where I'd, I'd already, like I'm sure, so many of us, I'd already kind of um, accepted that I had it. Is the wrong way of putting it because I I feel like saying accepted means that there's still resistance, and I actually feel like quite proud of it now. Yeah, wow, um,
1: that's amazing.
2: Well, I think just I mean we'll probably get into that, but um, I I'd already assumed the diagnosis for myself. Mm-hmm. And the psych, di- the the official formal diagnosis felt to me more just like a formality. But I guess I was probably still scared because people, particularly women, have terrible experiences with psychs, and mm, was yeah. nervous about what it would mean for he- for someone to say no because it felt so strong, so true yes. for me.
1: Yeah.
2: But also, if it wasn't that, then why is my brain like this? Yeah. You know.
1: Yes, absolutely. So. Um, how, so obviously you're, you're in Australia. So how we don't really know that much about the diagnosis process. Like what, what is, what is your experience? What has that been for you?
2: Look, I'll preface it by saying that I come from a pretty huge place of privilege with this because I do have a profile here. And I think that that just opens doors in a way that is so unfair. It's not that you can like necessarily just call up a psych office and say like, well, put me on the list before all these other people. Yes. But it's more yes. that I have access to a much bigger range of people yeah. who have connections. Ultimately what happened was um, I have a like a subscriber only sort of level that I run through my Instagram page and one of the people who is part of that community works for a psych who specialises in ADHD. Right. So she contacted me and she said, um, you know, I can get you in to see the psych here. It was still a two-month wait. But mm-hmm. it, it was two months as opposed to, like, maybe eight or nine months. And I sort of feel, uh, yeah, it's really important to me that, like, I make it clear that I know that that's really unfair.
1: Yeah.
2: <sighs> it doesn't make, Yeah, is it, I don't know, it's a weird thing because, like, wow, she acknowledges it's unfair, but, like, did she not take the appointment? No, I took the appointment, you know, because... Yeah.
1: Well, I wanted yeah, to help you myself. You do need to Well, exactly. And, and that, that's what needs yeah. to happen. It's, it's it's so unfair. It's so unfair. It really doesn't work across the board, wherever you are in the world. You know, we know that people are going to have privileges ab- above other people. You know, us ourselves, we're in quite a, diff- a, a strange situation yeah. because I was lucky to be able to access private health care because of my partner's job.
0: And mm-hmm. I'm a poor student at the moment um, who is on the waiting list. And I have For been since NHS. last May. So I, the only reason I got a, got a diagnosis of sorts is through my university. I managed to get um, in touch with the people there, see an educational psychologist, and they were able to, you know, validate my thoughts and feelings with ADHD. And, mm-hmm. and now I'm just in limbo because I can't get any medical help. So
1: it's, a, it's an amount of time. No idea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: it's really it's really wild because I and I wonder is it and I actually just don't know is it as difficult for older men to to get the diagnosis as well as as women I mean even when you take away the the kind of the, the expectation, well, the difference is the different ways that it kind of manifests in women because we have been conditioned in such mm-hmm. you know stereotypically gendered ways but like just structurally. I mean, when I went to my doctor to start that, so basically, like the basic process here is that you go to your GP and get a referral.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, to the, same. To the
2: site. Um, So you have to go through the whole kind of like conversation with you. You have to convince your GP, which can be a, a hurdle for lots of women already, yes. particularly mm-hmm. when the GP is like, "Well, no, you're a capable person, or you you can't possibly have ADHD because you um, have." You know, you're able to run a business or something like that, which I didn't. My GP yeah. was actually quite supportive, but um, like people are met with that. But it's like, yeah, because women have been trained, they run the business, but they're fucking exhausted all the time because, because
0: yeah.
2: they're they're tr- they're doing something that their brain is not like really equipped to do. Like without constantly anyone.
0: walking upstream against yeah. a current. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah. Um, yeah. So you go to the GP, you have the appointment with them, they write the referral to you. And then then you have to find a psych who is taking ADHD right. consults, mm-hmm. which not all yeah. of them are doing. And a lot of them, uh, you know, my doctor recommended three people and then came back and said that none of them were doing ADHD consults anymore. And I think that the subtext there is that there's too many people seeking a, an ADHD diagnosis.
1: Yeah. Because um, it's so trendy. Because we're just
2: hoping. Oh God, market, I hate no? that. <laughs> yeah. And so my my doctor as well said that um they were finding a huge upswing in the number of women who were seeking a diagnosis yes. after lockdown. And we, and, you know, Melbourne had like one of the this one of the strictest lockdowns in the yeah. world for the longest period of time. Yeah. And I think that gave a lot of women the opportunity to kind of well, they couldn't sort of there was no there were no distractions mm-hmm. that can normally kind of be used to mask yeah. things. Yes. Um, and also we've just had an upswing in, in awareness about exactly. it, more and more people. Yeah. Okay, so there is the pride factor of it. You know, I do feel proud. and I described it as being like um, you look at 40 years' worth of photographs of your life in a huge tapestry, like millions of photographs,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: you can't, like you can zoom in on each of them individually and go, oh, that that's me having, like, poor time management skills. That's yes. me you know, never paying a parking fine. That's me being, you know, in a state of depersonalization for three months. That's me, um, sabotaging every relationship I've ever had because I don't want anyone to get too close to me because then they'll see the real me and they won't like it. Um, and you see, you look at all of those photographs individually, and they're also filled with shame and Mm self-loathing. And then you zoom out, or, well, like, what part of, like, understanding to ADHD for me and the diagnosis is zooming out and seeing that it's actually all one giant picture. Yes. Um, and it's kind of like a magic eye thing. And you're like, oh, all of these individual things actually make up this really beautiful person. Yeah. Um, who's, who's managed, in spite of, like, challenges, who's managed to achieve some really great things. And that's what I feel proud of the most recent book I wrote is a memoir and it's about love and there's a lot of like self stuff in there, like communicating with your past version. So I've done a lot of like self work um, in terms of like actually manifesting myself as different ages. And and I talk about carrying them around with me, like they are me, but they're not me. And I, and I send them love and all that kind of stuff. Yes, um, yes. So I feel really proud of that, of those like versions of myself who had the same struggles that I have now because of ADHD, but no capacity to understand it at all. You just woke up every day and like put one foot in front of the other, even though a lot of, a lot of periods in your life, like when it gets really bad, it's really scary in your head. And Yeah. yeah, so I think that that's all kind of wrapped up in the pride too. And then just thinking, well, I probably wouldn't give it away, you know, because for all of, for all that makes it, the things in your life difficult. There is so much that's really beautiful about how that brain works.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, completely. That's so so interesting. It's funny because we we talk a lot about sort of the diagnosis roller coaster. Obviously, I'm going off piste. It's what happens. Sorry.
2: But, um, <laughs> you know, oh, me too. And that's, that's another one of those ones where I'm like, oh, that's the ADHD. <laughs> oh, I always say to people whenever I'm doing like, oh, whenever I'm doing podcasts and I'm on stage or whatever. <laughs> People will ask me questions and inevitably I end up answering the question that I want to answer. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, it's like there's a lot of talk about when you're diagnosed, there are these stages like the grief cycle. Right. Mm. So people begin, there's people have said that you start with denial. I don't feel like I did start with denial. I think it was just relief, but they say arguably it's kind of the same thing because it one leads to the other sort of thing. Mm. Do you feel like you are on this roller coaster or do you because you sound so? like you're there at acceptance I'm like have you actually got there already that's incredible
2: <laughs> well then that's now stoking all of my self-doubt you know are they gonna think I'm lying um, <laughs> no, not no. at all Stop. I feel so I think that the denial thing is interesting because obviously when it first kind of was suggested to me mm. 10 years ago I was like no oh, yeah. I don't have that you yeah. know so definitely went through the denial um by the time I got the diagnosis I was so certain that I had it and so uh e- eager to kind of like see what treatment could I was really excited at the prospect that like there could be help because yeah, and also because right. I had a few friends by that point who had ADHD who'd said to me things like the medication which I've always been really um I've always been really kind of skittish about medication not because I don't think it works not because I uh not because I think anyone else shouldn't use it, but because I'm—I've so, got such an addictive personality. Yes, and so yeah. when I think of medication, even as like, even though I know that it's not, like, it's medication. It's not. It's not like illicit party drugs, which are fun.
1: Um, <laughs> but, oh, we wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I have this thing of like, well, if you take medication every day, that's something that you're. It, it, it's like. I fear, I fear being addicted to things, and I and yeah. I, it's, a, it's a thing I'm going to have to talk about with my psychologist. Who, you know, fortunately, my psych, my psychiatrist, is married to a woman who is a psychologist who specialises in OCA, OCD and ADHD. So it's kind oh, of wow. like a perfect, perfect That's natural. handy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something I'm going to talk about with her because I think that it's that it's that fear of like, I fear. I know I, I just know that like I love substances and <laughs> um, and it's not I have to I have to like reframe it in my, in my mind it's not a substance it's medication it, it helps you to medicine like focus,
1: for you know, your brain medicine. yeah yeah um
2: so I kind of was it, 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 going back to the question I was um I didn't have any grief because I, the grief that I've, I didn't have any of the grief that you kind of typically hear about where you're like, I'm, you know, if only, if only someone had intervened, if only I'd known things could have been different. And in part, I don't have that because I, I really feel like in my life I have, whether or not I've just always felt this way or whether or not it's something that I've developed. I just don't see any point for me in dwelling on what could have been different. yeah you know Like my mum died when I was 25, which I think was a huge shaper in terms of how I think of things like that because I think going through a grief like that so young I mean in 25 is actually really young to you to lose your mum. of course um I sort of feel like it it kind of that process of grief over the last 15 years has been has led me to a place of acceptance that life is full of all these kinds of things that like I don't I I don't want to be I don't want to get to 75 and have experienced none of like the lows of life yeah yeah because then. I don't know. It's like, and maybe as a writer as well, I am very interested in exploring all of those different shades yeah. in your in the in your in the world and in your life. And so I kind of feel like, well, so what would have happened if someone had caught it early? What, like, would my life have been significantly different? Maybe, but maybe I wouldn't be a writer. Maybe yeah. I wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't have the life that I have now. I wouldn't have my son because everything is kind of a series of events that leads to another event. You know. Um, So I just feel like there's no point to me. For me, and I totally understand other people doing it, but I don't see any point in kind of feeling like angry It won't change anything. It doesn't change anything, so I've just let it go. Um, The the only thing I do feel is a little bit of sadness, I guess, that I spent so much time berating myself, which I'm sure you're both very familiar with. Everyone listening will be that I spent years basically just telling myself how shit I was. Yeah. And I, I'm a bad friend. I'm bad at this. I can't do any jobs. You know, I, I, I thought I was really selfish Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't like focus on conversation. So I was like, well, obviously I'm a bad friend because I'm not able to I'm just waiting for my turn to speak. Like all of those things that, yeah. that's yeah. what I feel sad about. And I, f- I don't feel sad for me. I feel, again, like that self stuff, I feel sad for that girl who was like, you yeah. didn't know.
1: Yeah. yeah. Properly
2: resonate with that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So what do you think has changed for you since diagnosis? I think, and I, I'm curious to, to hear what both of you think about this for your own experiences too, I think that it's been extremely validating. Yeah. to to feel like you know all to to undo all of that self talk that's been so yeah. harmful yeah. and to like work at forgiving myself for saying it and also really working hard to send some love to those those past versions of me that felt all those things yeah um yeah. it it's been like A light has turned on. I've been like stumbling around this dark house for my entire life, feeling my way through it and going, I guess that this is just, I guess I just live in this really dark house and I bump into everything. Yeah. Like (laughs) figuratively and literally. Um, (laughs) And now this light has switched on and actually I see that what I, what I thought the house was is completely different. It's it's like all different colours. There's different, there's things in here that I didn't even know we're in here and that's really exciting like i feel that kind of um i'm going to have to be really careful about thinking about not blaming everything on or not blaming not attributing everything to it you know that yeah. i still have agency in the choices that i make and so i can't i can't actually be a bad friend and then say oh that's my adhd you know okay. like i yeah. still have an agency in terms of like moral choices that i make but it's it's been validating in that i go Oh, I can't I literally can't change the fact that time is meaningless to me I can't yeah. do anything about that now so I yeah. just have to work at like figuring out systems to try and make time a little bit more visible to me yeah but yeah so stuff like that has been helpful um and also I think that I'm still my my psychiatrist is in New South Wales and I'm in Melbourne so he did like telehealth for it and he doesn't have an e script thing he has to post the script to me so I'm still waiting to get medication mm-hmm. um, but I'm really interested to see like the friends that I have, like my friend yesterday, I, I had lunch with. actually funnily enough, the same one who 10 years ago was like, you've got this. Um, and she said that for her, the medication is like when she's not on it, she has, it's like her, it's like her brain is her on a horse and cart, but she's got 40 wild horses that she's trying to wrangle to get to a destination. And she's
0: mm.
2: wrangling all of them at once. And it's exhausting, but with the medication, it's like, she's still going to the same place, but there's one horse. And
1: that's great. That's a great analogy, yeah.
2: And I so I sort of thought, like, well, that will make a huge difference as well. It's not that like my life is going to tangibly change. No. As I said, I'm not going to suddenly be aware of time, but I think I'll be able to focus my thoughts much better, or I hope that medication will help with that. And it will just calm all of that noise down that's always existed in my brain that's been really that, yeah not that, just distracting, but really that's yeah, exactly really like that's
1: that's my experience on medication. It's just that, Um, yeah taking away so much of the noise and what I've noticed is when you're on your period it doesn't work so well so we're gonna we're gonna like actually find out some proper information about that before we start talking about it but that's just my experience so for example um, yesterday was the first time in a really long time that I've sort of felt like that inverted Mm. commas again and I couldn't make even the most basic of decisions that's that's how my ADHD would present is Mm. I need reassurance all the time is this right is this right should I do this is that and I was like that all day yesterday and it was horrible and I suddenly Mm. realized I was like this is what it used to be like before this is what Mm. I used to feel like all the time so it's very very interesting because on medication obviously you start to realize well it starts to become normal Yeah, it's then suddenly to wake up and be like, oh, no, this medication is working because this used to be what I felt like every day, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's interesting, and the medication thing is so interesting. You have to be on the right one. You have to, you know, different things are going to work for different people, and some people don't want to be on it at all. So it's just. And that's fair too, you know. Exactly. Some
2: people people use it just for the days where they want extra focus, you know. I'm still not sure how that choice will pan out for me but um it's interesting you say about periods because i was talking to a friend the other day who told me that she also has ocd and that she developed it when or it it, it sort of emerged when she was 14 when her period started which i was like oh that's so funny because mine emerged when i was 12 just after my period mm-hmm. and i and i wondered then if it was a sort of a hormonal link which makes me i'm 41 you know, within the next 10 years I'm going to start going through menopause. Yeah. And I'm really scared about that because I my mum, who I think also now, again, like my sister's my sister's being diagnosed too. I feel like she's she's definitely definitely got it as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and I think that my mum might have had it. Um but you know, instead of instead of her getting a diagnosis, she just was labeled clinically depressed for most of her life. Yeah. And yeah. I remember the menopause was fucking horrific for her and by proxy horrific for us because she was so like it was just like living in a a heightened state of agitation all the time she was so angry and I worry about that because part of my ADHD is that I'm really really prone to anger because of frustration yeah and I can just flip like as soon as I get that sensory overload I just have like a tantrum breakdown yeah. And it, it's really worrying to me because I've got a child and I don't want to be like that. And I love my mum, but I also remember how horrible it could be to be around her moods.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very scary, isn't it? It's scary to think that way. Like it, it's coming and you know it's coming. <laughs> you know?
2: And you don't know how
0: it's going to affect you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and I feel, I don't feel
2: any regret about my potential because I think that I, I think I've managed to do pretty well.
1: Indeed. And maybe,
2: <laughs> maybe without it, maybe I would have gone and, and like done really well at a job that, when I think about it now, sounds really boring. Um, yeah. You know, maybe I would have been a really great lawyer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm so I'm really happy with my career, but I do feel that, that grief for like my interpersonal relationships. You know that I've been like I said, you know, not, well, sort of sabotage a bit, I guess, as soon as I sense that someone wants to get close to me, I'm, I, I just, you know, I believe the young people call it, get the ick these days. Um, (laughs) Yuck, you like me get away. Um, and I feel like now that's probably part of that is because I, I always felt like, when i let or i must have internalized like growing up that whenever people whenever i let my guard down around people and my weird side came out or my true weird self came out yeah. and i might make a joke that was too loud or i might like i don't know um talk about like a special interest topic at them for 15 minutes straight and yeah. <laughs> just not be like not be able to stop myself spitting facts at someone about something that's like they don't care about you. <laughs> that. Once you let people see that side of you, they'd be like, oh, you're a weirdo. Yeah. So you can't let them get too close to you. And um, I
1: suppose there's also an element of like, with constantly putting yourself down and thinking you're so shit, uh-huh. to have somebody see you in an amazing light subconsciously when you're in that mental state is a bit like, what's wrong with you?
2: Yeah. I know, always think
1: of you know, the, the, the
2: Groucho Marx principle, you know, that you don't want to become belong to any club that would have you as a member.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly <laughs> that, exactly that. Um, we wondered if you, if you wanted to reflect anything or share anything with our listeners about ADHD and motherhood, because we don't have families of our own, so we can't speak for that experience. If there's anything you would like to share about that?
2: Sure. So I feel like... Um, you know, as I as I come to learn more about what all the different various ways that it kind of manifests in my life, mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots, I mean, I wrote, you would have seen the list that I wrote, there's lots I can already say and even when I posted that, I was like, oh, I can think of so many more things that I didn't even mention.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's still, I'm still kind of going through that process of, of observing things and going, I think that that's ADHD and not just me being a bad mother whatever yeah. um and then again like coming back to that you have to have honesty with yourself and say well sometimes also maybe I've just made a bad choice
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and not blame everything on it um I feel like one of the things that makes it is most apparently hard is the mm-hmm. it's the pull on your attention in all different directions
0: mm-hmm.
2: and yeah and the the then the, the feedback loop you have of guilt because you spend all this time, and now and now I know there's a reason for it and hopefully medication will help to focus me in, and help me be present, but mm-hmm. you spend all this time just berating yourself and thinking, why can't I be present with my child? And to a degree, to a degree motherhood is so demanding that not all, ADHD or not, like you can't always be present at every moment of every day. Of course. Yeah. But there are times when you're, you, you feel, as you both would know, that physical churn in your head where you just can't actually focus your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, I'm not paying attention. There's probably, um, an element of, well, you know, I also um, I have to really watch my temper because I can be quick to anger about stuff, mm-hmm. which I don't want to be a scary, angry mum,
1: yeah. And it's
2: risky for me to even admit that on a podcast. Cause there's so many people who'd be like, see, she's abusing her child. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> not at all. Um, but I think that there's like just practical day-to-day stuff that I find so challenging. Mm-hmm. And one of them is the time blindness. My son started school this year and I have to get him to school at, you know, it starts at nine o'clock. Never on time. I'm never on time. And this is one of the things that is so like bizarre to me about ADHD, but also kind of fascinating that like you can look at your clock and you can go, right, in order to get him to school in the next five minutes, because we just, it, school's just around the corner anyway, but in order to get up to school in the next five minutes, I'm going to need to, or in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to need to put my shoes on now and put my coat on now and we need to walk out of the door in two minutes. Like that's, that is the time frame. Yeah. And your brain registers it, but there's something that just goes, well, I'm just going to sit down yeah. on the couch and just, check my phone for two minutes which turns into like 10 minutes or I'm just gonna like make a cup of tea or just something that's actually to someone who doesn't have ADHD you'd explain it and they would be like that is completely illogical behavior yeah why Why can't you just be on time why can't you try harder why can't you make a list what like and you're like I can't explain to you yeah why my brain tells me that even though I need to be in this place in two minutes, that I have no physical understand, I have no, like, mental understanding of what that time frame means.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. So I find that stuff really hard because I also grew up, my mum, for varying reasons, I think, part part of which was obviously that she was, you know, undiagnosed with ADHD. I'm certain of it. Um, she had a lot she was very, like, dedicated to reading. She'd stay up all night reading and she'd sleep all day. And we were often left just at the school gate for hours, just mm-hmm. waiting to be picked up. And you'd call her up and you'd say, mum, you need to come and pick us up. And she, you, she, you could hear her sort of bleary on the phone. I mean, she would have had that exhaustion that some people with ADHD have too. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and she was like, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then she'd just go back to sleep. And I just sort of thought that that was, I mean, obviously that also has a huge impact on how you see yourself. You don't even realise at the time that that you start seeing yourself as someone who is, like, just not worth picking up from school. Yeah. Um, but I, don't, I don't really, like, blame her for it. You know, I don't also to, to some weird extent it just became normal. I was like, well, I guess, like, some mums just don't pick their kids up.
1: Um, right? It's very, very interesting because... I don't know about you but I feel like for myself she says talking about herself again sorry <laughs> but it's like the my my dad is definitely ADHD undiagnosed but definitely hands down he knows it um but it's funny because I feel at this point, when I sort of look back at my life, I've spent a lot of my life thinking, oh, God, you know, trauma, and this was hard, and this shaped me, and blah, blah, blah. And it's almost as if, like, knowing that I have ADHD, knowing that he has ADHD, it's almost like I can put it all down because it's completely reframed. You you mm. almost can't take it personally anymore. You almost you can't be angry. You can't be, it's just like, oh, that's what that was. Oh, yeah. I get that now. Yeah. And that's yeah.
2: been, re- yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really, like, healing way to think about things. That yeah. I have to have the same generosity for her, which I do, that I now have for myself that's, like, yeah. it's just harder for you.
1: Passion. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hard,
2: it's hard when you live in a world where it's, like, so much is regimented by time mm-hmm. and by organisation. And, like, I can't read school notices because I just, I mean, I can't. Uh, there's all that self-talk as well like you know when people say things like I can't do this and prior to having a diagnosis where you understand why you can't do those things people think you're just being lazy or you're being like dramatic you know so dramatic um but now I just think like no there's actually a reason why when I look at a piece of paper with words on it unless it's something I'm interested in yeah and to be that it's totally different I'm not interested in school notices I can't like read it you know yeah um Or I can I can read it, but I can't absorb any. I'm always saying to the other parents, when school holidays, when when you know, oh, what do they have on? Oh, do they have an excursion? I just don't know any of this stuff. I have that thing where I'm like, right, well, you have a reason for why you find those things so difficult, but it's really important to me and the relationship that I have with my son that I try and find. ADHD supportive workarounds
1: yeah. so that yeah. that doesn't
2: become a problem as he goes through school because it does, it's really irrelevant at some point whether or not there is a reason why I'm like that. It will still make There's that still the outcome. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. We've kind of covered what ADHD has cost you in terms of like personal relationships. Is there anything else that you feel that undiagnosed ADHD might have cost you?
2: Um. I think it's probably the thing that the thing that seems most paramount to me is just decades of mental unrest.
0: Yeah. You no,
2: know? and the the actual mental health damage that comes from feeling that unrest mm-hmm. and feeling just so much in your head all the time, and you know the anxiety that you get from the constant noise and Um, like the inability to really treat it because you're not treating the ADHD, you're treating the anxiety. And people say things like, well, have you tried meditating? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's very, very bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that's probably the biggest thing, but yeah, it's weird because it's like, I don't feel that, I know we've kind of covered this already, but I, just coming back to it, I really don't feel that sense of um, I don't feel angry at anyone for like failing to see or whatever, because I also understand that I'm like part of a generation of women who were all kind of let down, not by individual parents, but let down by patriarchy.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah.
2: And we've all been failed by whether or not you have ADHD or not. We've all been failed by patriarchy in one way or another. and, And many of us in significant, numerous ways. Yeah. So it's kind of like so I can only be angry at it in terms of the fact that I'm angry at patriarchy mm-hmm. Yeah. because I don't yeah. think that like 30 years ago anyone would have looked at it, there just wasn't kind of a template to look at little girls like me. Mm-hmm. And also because I was quite um, I I was able to sufficiently kind of like coast through school, mm-hmm. you know, I I was bad at the subjects that I didn't care about. And I still have nightmares. I was telling my son about this the other day. I still have nightmares about having to sit, having to like either sit my year 12 maths exam or I find that I'm back in school having to like pass maths in order to to graduate. And I'll be like a 42-year-old in school that has to pass maths. Yeah. <laughs> and But I did really well at subjects like English and drama and, yeah. you know, the the ones where the ones where you could kind of like talk, yeah. um, yeah. or and like create. there's write. no
1: there's no right answer. It's you're you can't get it wrong. Yeah, it's like yeah exactly interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: And so because I did well at school, I did get the like you would do so much better if you applied yourself a bit mm-hmm. more. But it was the difference. This is going to sound that like a few funny. times. <laughs> but it was like the difference between like if you applied yourself, then you wouldn't be failing, mm-hmm. or and if you applied yourself, then you'd be, like, top of the class, Yeah, you know. And I didn't care about being top of the class. And I was like, well, I'm whatever. So no one really pressed it too much. And I still, because I could coast through in that way, I kind of didn't ever think it was really that big a problem and no one else was. I, I never got called words that other people have been, like, subjected to unfairly and I mean no one should ever use no one should ever call any kid um I know we don't use this word anymore but I'm just gonna use it as an example no one should ever call any kid dumb yeah and I know a lot of people with ADHD were called those words because Mm -hmm. their struggles in school Mm -hmm. but I didn't have the experience of being called that so it was kind of like um in that sense like who was going to spot it in me yeah yeah you know they just thought that i was an overly dramatic um sensitive center of attention person who like interrupted all the time because i had to be the center of attention which it still kind of like has an impact on who you are but i feel so like bereft for all the people who because they had words like dumb thrown at them or like disruptive or whatever it might be mm-hmm. they just learned really early on not to try yeah. and they absorbed this idea about themselves that they that they weren't worth anything.
0: Yeah. And I think
2: that those people, I can completely understand that getting a diagnosis would like enrage them. Um, I feel weird. Like I'm very conscious of that. I don't want to come across as like someone who, I mean, everyone, everyone has like different levels of, uh, how do I phrase this? It's like that thing of you know, when you're kind of talking about how you experience this thing, but there's obviously you're steeped in layers of privilege about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone listening who has had the opposite experience, who's been really marginalised because of their ADHD mm-hmm. to be listening to me and going, well, I'm getting nothing out of this because this person has had it easy.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Um, I don't really know how to kind of like, basically I'm feeling like a lot of like preemptive, insecurity about people being like she's a fucking dickhead
0: <laughs> but I think but I think there's
1: an awareness there and you know that you're privileged and you're not taking the piss you know we will we, you know to to acknowledge our own privilege you you haven't picked to be who you are or where you were born or the privileges that you have you've had all you can do is acknowledge that and the point is what we are trying to do here is to explore so many different mm-hmm. people's types of experience within ADHD because there are there are more things that join us together than tear us apart because yeah. we are you know we're the we're basically the same age we've had very very different lives but mm-hmm. every single person that we speak to um, and we hear from a lot of a lot of different people reach out to us the people that we are interviewing the things that we are shared, like the things that are said, like there's so many things that you're saying and we like physically feel it yeah. because mm. it's the same experience. And it's important to understand how all people experience this thing that is effectively the same, it's mm. the same experience, but it presents so differently in each one of us. There are no two people with ADHD mm. whose ADHD is the same. And then it's fascinating to look at how people, for example, you know, we look at you and you are so incredibly successful. You're clearly very driven. And so what's interesting is when we're hearing from people like yourself is like, well, how does that present? Because a lot of people who have ADHD, Dawn, you are queen of this. They think they're the only person in the world that have it. they're the person who's like oh you know I'm I'm the only person who's rubbish at this and I have to pretend at that and nobody should know so it is so so valuable like thank you for doing this for us and and for sharing your experience because yes it's fantastic that you acknowledge your privilege in it but we acknowledge your struggle yeah and it's really really important for people to hear that they are not alone in their struggle and we really are all in this together you know
2: thank you I think that what is important for people like me who do have access to a platform Mm -hmm. and to have particular privileges that um, make it easier for them to speak out on stuff and be be heard about stuff is that I can, you know, hopefully by speaking, hopefully by, by like being open about having ADHD, not only do you encourage a lot of other women to or a lot of people, I should say, to kind of consider it in themselves. Mm-hmm. But also mm-hmm. to sort of think that it doesn't matter if you have an illusion of success, you could still have it. You know, yes. like yeah. don't let anyone say to you, well, you can't have it because you have a job. Yeah. And yeah. you like have this six the success in this particular area. But also like structurally, maybe what I can do is I don't even know if I can do this, but but there is the possibility that you can be like, well, I could I've got access to people who can create legislative difference Mm
0: -hmm. um,
2: to make it easier for people to get diagnosed, to make it so that it's not like a fucking $500 appointment. I don't know if I can do that, but I can at least try to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel like there's all that. It's funny we you're talking about the the rejection thing before or, you know, when you were saying that you're like me describing things, you could sort of like feel it Mm. physically. And it's that physical well, there's one of those things that the rejection stuff when you realize all that, all your life all that incredible sensitivity that you've had to people rejecting you like I can kind of perform Clementine Ford in my job because mm-hmm. that's just a performance yeah and you know you, there's always sort of like a sense of like something that you keep between you and the people because you know, they, they don't get to see your most intimate thoughts and feelings. Yeah. That's what's scary yeah. letting someone in because they see your most intimate stuff and they might not like it. And then you feel that rejection is like a physical thing. Yeah. Like every time I, this will be familiar to people. I'm sure every time I go out and drink with my friends, because I am an add- addictive person and I drink a lot and I've, I don't think I ever really like I mean, I drink to the point where I just need to go to sleep. You know, I don't like drink all night long. So hopefully, I can kind I of don't do anything, <laughs> anything terrible. But I always wake up the next day and I like message my friends. And I'm like, oh my god, was I so annoying last night? Did yes, I do no matter what they say? I'm always just like, I feel this physical wretchedness that yes. like the fear. I, yeah, and I kind of always think. Well, before before I got diagnosed, I always used to call it like um it's the narcissism of like thinking you're the biggest piece of shit in the center of the universe (laughs) you know (laughs) but it does really feel like that it's like you're so heightened to everyone looking at you and seeing who you really are which you think is a big sack of crap
1: yes yeah when in actual fact
2: no one really cares (laughs) (laughs) um Another thing that I feel really um, has really benefited me in my work with ADHD and that other people should, like, feel really proud of in themselves Mm -hmm. is that very heightened justice sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So I, like, my whole work, my whole career has been kind of built on writing about feminism and gender equality and patriarchy, Mm -hmm. and I think that I've been really served by, having that sense of, like, justice sensitivity and also, like, the one-eyed kind of commitment to it. I was talking to a friend the other day who I have said uh, she sort of, like, is a, works in very similar field to me and basically, like, does exactly the same stuff in a different country. Um, and I said to her, I think you've got ADHD as well, because, of course, now I'm going to go around and, like, diagnose every single person I know. <laughs> We shouldn't, um, but we can't help ourselves. We can't help it. It's my special interest topic now. Exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. Um. Anyway, I said to her, I think you've got ADHD. And she'd said that it was something that she she had considered, you know, but like the more I talked to her about it, I think she's hopefully going through that process as well, where she's like, you know, she's the same age as me. um, And a lot is being, a lot is very resonant for her. But I said to her, I think that the reason that we, have been able to do the work that we do. Like people are always saying to me, how do you deal with the abuse online? Because I get, you know, I've had years and years of like horrific online trolling and abuse and like yeah, the most awful things sent to me in messages and stuff like that. And I had this moment with her where I was like, I think that the reason that I'm so, like that we're both so good at kind of brushing this off is not just because we've gotten used to it, but because we're so committed to the work. Yeah. We're like so convinced and convicted in our moral standing on it that we are right that we are correct about this thing and so therefore it doesn't matter if some guy sends me a message calling me you know a fat cunt who deserves to die because I'm like you're wrong you're wrong and I'm right yeah and sometimes that one-eyedness can be incorrect sometimes we are actually wrong about something but we feel very convicted in it at least yes yeah and that's the focus and it sort of means that you can you can weather the backlash because it's it's really kind of it's never going to be as strong as the conviction that you feel mm-hmm. in the in the about the injustices that you're talking about whereas if someone's like if someone you like is like oh i don't want to hang out with you you're like i it's as if you have plunged yeah. a knife yeah. into me yeah. and taken all of my insides out and replaced it with dirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're yeah. so sensitive yeah. to like the way that people in your personal life think of you. Yes. And yeah. so hardened against. And I think that that's like a superpower.
1: Oh, good, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's so funny because that we, you know, we are so at the start of the journey of putting ourselves out there. And it mm. and it is scary. It is scary, and I I feel like I'm sort of waiting for it. I'm a bit like, oh, is today the day that somebody mm-hmm. like calls me a meth head or do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I'm like waiting yeah, yeah. for it. And our whole stance is just kind of, we're just gonna, we're just gonna block people. That. Are to <laughs> do yeah. Block, ignore, continue,
2: continue. doing what we do. I mean, that that kind of like that sense of rejection is very different because I think that one of the things that um, has been present in my experience of ADHD, which may be familiar to other people, is extreme sensitivity to being called a liar. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, like, and I think that that extreme sensitivity comes from the fact that often we do lie. We lie about why we're late. We lie about why we're, you know, why we couldn't do the thing we lie about where the project went or whatever it might be. Like we tell little lies because we're so, we do, we lie about the fact that like I can't come and meet you for a coffee because I've got an appointment somewhere else. So I'll just say that I'll come and meet you for a coffee and deal with it later because I can't tell you no because then you'll hate me.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Self-preservation.
1: So, yeah.
2: yeah. So, the, so you do actually lie a lot on these things that are kind of fundamentally meaningless. Mm-hmm. Mm. But you don't lie about stuff that is like injustice or things that have happened to you. You don't lie about your experience of ADHD as an example. And so when people say to you, well, you're just lying or you're just making it up or you're just doing it for attention, I feel that incredibly keenly because I, particularly with, particularly when it's been stuff like, oh, this thing happened um, and it was, you know, well, women get called liars all the time for reporting on things that have been done to them by men. but when you're called a liar about that stuff, you're like, I do not fucking lie yeah. about shit that matters. Yeah. You know? Like I you lie about why like, I was exactly like.
1: in your core what's important, your values. Yeah. Like you know you're not yeah. a liar. Yeah.
2: And it's almost like I wonder how much of that is kind of like the neurodivergence that, you, see, I couldn't I, I could lie about that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: hmm
2: well, one more thing that I'll just add for anyone who's out there who feels less uh, at at peace with the diagnosis than I than I might sound like I do, mm-hmm. I'm actually very. I feel really grateful for the diagnosis because mm-hmm. it asks yeah. a lot of questions for me. I also feel a strong sense of community with other people with ADHD. Like it's it, in that kind of way that you feel excited about like the new topics that you're that you're like obsessed with. You yeah. Know? I feel really excited to be a part of this group of people who get it. It's like it's actually really exciting to think this brain that has felt to me so weirdly foreign my whole life or like it's so it's so different to everyone else that actually, no, there's lots and lots of people who have a brain like mine yeah. and that's really cool to explore what that means and to talk to them and find like mirrored experiences so that you feel so much better about yourself and about yeah. the way that you are. Um also, I think the I think that people with I'm generalizing, but I think that people with ADHD, in insofar as my experience, have like enormous hearts. I think that yeah. we're very sensitive about the right things, and we, sometimes we are too sensitive about the rejection stuff. But like that's not our fault. No. But we're very sensitive about stuff that I think matters, and we have like a huge capacity for kindness. And I think that's something to be really proud of as well. I feel like there's lots in What it means for you that, yes, it is important to acknowledge the struggles Mm -hmm. and it's important to give yourself um, forgiveness for the times that you've been hard on yourself, but also to keep reminding yourself that, like, you have to treat yourself with love Mm -hmm. because this is not your fault. And there's for all that I'm talking about the positives there's things that like are going to be struggles for me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. that are um, that are going to be hard. And I've thought a lot about like well if I'm lucky enough to live to be 80 what does it feel like to be an 80 year old with ADHD? Like that kind of scares me. Yeah. But I but I can't like just fo- focus on that stuff and I'm not inclined to anyway because I feel like I said a lot of pride about who I am and a lot of pride about the community of other people. And I think that when you look at the contributions that people who are neurodivergent and who have ADHD specifically have made to the world, I think that there's so much in there to be like thrilled by. How incredible that we get to be part of this lineage of people that have made some of, who have like brought to the world some of like the most beautiful art that we have, the the music that we have, like, and not just art, not just poetry and writing and stuff like that, but lateral thinking Mm -hmm. and who, who live differently in a world, like not everyone should be the same. So I think that if you're having to anyone who's listening, who feels like they have those days where they're just so frustrated with themselves and they don't want to have that kind of brain anymore I get it like I have those days too and I had them long before I got an official diagnosis yeah and I'll probably continue to have them just remind yourself that that you experience extremes of like positives and negatives and the positives you have are very often out of reach for people who don't have your particular neurodivergence and that's something really unique and special too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. So if if you want to, you don't have to, but we always share what the most ADHD thing we've done this week is most ADHD <laughs> if you would like to share but you don't have to obviously.
2: No, I can. I'm I'm not ashamed of anything. Oh, no, that's not true. I'm ashamed of
1: it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Bold statement. <laughs> I'm ashamed of lots of things but there's no topic that I think like is is in the yes. yeah. yeah. closed book. Uh, the most ADHD thing I've done this week. Um, god it's so so hard to choose. Um, <laughs> this isn't uh, this might not be ADHD or not but today's like a public holiday in Australia for the Queen's birthday. Oh my and um, my son was with his dad last night and I woke up this morning to like banging on the door. I knew that today was like a school holiday, but I just, I guess, forgot that like it was a school holiday, hmm. and so luckily he was, luckily I was home because I might have stayed at a friend's house, and that could have been the most ADHD thing I'd done was mm-hmm. just totally forget that I needed to be home to be with my son because he wasn't at school. Mm-hmm. But again, like that's where I'm trying to like peel those things back between like is that ADHD or is yeah. that just me being forgetful? You know, like yeah, yeah. I think it's possible for me to be forgetful and it not be.
1: 100%. A hundred percent. Direct and, symptom yeah, of my age. You know, of course we things too. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think we just really, really want to say thank you so much, Clementine, yeah. for talking to us, for giving up your time.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we really appreciate it, and yeah, it's been amazing talking to you.
1: It re- yeah, <laughs> and we know your words so, are really going to resonate with with the listeners so so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
2: Thank you both. It was so nice to be asked. I do have a little bit of. Um, that kind of imposter syndrome that's so common to us all because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm so, I want to talk about it. I'm really excited. Like it's, it's something I announced it, but it was like a, a few months in the, in the process. So I feel like I've, I've already, it wasn't like someone just told me last week, you've got ADHD and I hadn't thought about it at all, yeah. but I but you still feel that imposter syndrome that people are going to be like, well, I don't know. You kind of feel like, well, what's the like official time frame before I'm allowed to kind of be a seasoned <laughs> yeah. ADHD? Yeah. I think that's another thing that's really important just to leave with listeners is that regardless of how late your diagnosis comes, I've had ADHD for 40 years.
1: Yes. You yes. know,
2: I haven't yes. had it for a week.
1: So true. Well, we hope you have a lovely uh, evening, afternoon, whatever time it is.
2: <laughs> evening now. I hope you guys have a great day. Good start Thank, with you. Thank you. Thank and uh, you. thank you so much. And, and you're doing amazing work. Like I bet, you know, you must just be changing the lives of so many people because you're speaking so openly about it. So thank you.
1: Oh, that's uh, so kind of you, David. So because lovely. We're, we're really like <laughs> emotional dysregulation rates high. So like it's like this far away from crying at any moment. Yeah, We
2: could be caught in a feedback loop now of just telling each other over and over how, how amazing we are. We are. And no, no, not not sure thank stop. you, thank yeah. you.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Okay, I'll, I'll be the one to end it then and I'll okay. say thank you. Have a great day. Um, you know, best of, best of luck to everyone listening. You're all doing an amazing job. Don't forget it. Mind be kind to yourselves.
0: Amazing. Bye.
1: Thank you. Bye. So that was Clementine Ford. Actual Clementine, actual Ford actually speaking to us.
0: Yeah, I still can't get over it
1: such a special episode i'm telling you i am going to carry that magic eye analogy around with me for life is proper pearls that that is yeah. incredible, incredible insight that she gave us all so thank you so much clementine
0: yeah there was just so much in there and we really didn't want to cut anything out because everything that she said just ha- had so much importance and
1: and yeah, yeah. And things that we don't know about and motherhood and all sorts of things that that she really would you know gave us so much. Like, why would us Wally's witter on to cut out some of Clementine? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense.
0: Exactly. So yeah, we might have missed our usual outros and um, we've not done our differences or the most ADHD thing that we've done this week, but we will be back as normal with that next week. Um, yeah. As always, um, we appreciate you listening and please like, rate, subscribe, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash ADHDS
1: females. Scare us to anyone who would benefit from hearing from our hearing our our um podcast and to any like ADHD groups. We would really appreciate that because we can't self-promote. And yeah, we would love a donation if you've taken anything of this episode away. Um, which we definitely have, then yeah, we'd really, really appreciate the support. So yes, please do buy us a coffee so that we can keep going.
2: Yes,
0: and as always, keep sending us your messages and emails. A- um, oh my goodness, I'm so broken.
1: ADHD is <laughs> at gmail.com. It's all right. I'm just going to be payback next week when I have a secret garden party, and I can't string a sentence together. <laughs>
0: okay. I think yeah, I think I think. Um, I think we should call it a day <laughs> yeah <laughs> you need to go to bed thanks for listening all <laughs> thank you and as always look after yourself be kind compassionate to yourself and others and um yeah we love you all
1: see you on the other side bye, bye. <laughs>
0: adhds ADHD Females The podcast